The book of Leviticus chapter 16. Now, for the sake of time, we won't go, we won't go to Matthew, but Matthew is the sister scripture to what we're going to read this morning. Years ago, years ago, I was doing a television program with, with Benny Hinn. And Benny had me come on the program because he knows that I used to be a drug addict and a, and a guy that was working with him had been a drug addict, went back on drugs, uh, died of an overdose. And so Benny asked me to come on and do one program on how I got delivered to drugs and stayed delivered and that hasn't come in my family. So I started teaching on breaking family curses and breaking generational curses. And I can remember Benny stopped and he said, we need to, we need to do a whole week of this. He said, I've never, I don't know anybody that's teaching this. And so we did a whole week and Tiz was there with me and he said, let's do another week. And so he brought Tiz and I on and we taught for two weeks on breaking family curses, breaking generational curses. And then we went on and did a, a big uh, meeting in, uh, f- on the television at ORU uh, with Oro and Richard Roberts on breaking these curses. And th- that was the beginning as I began to travel the world to teach people that it, it's one thing to get saved, but God doesn't just want to save you. He wants to break every enemy that's blocking the blessing and, and that's when I began to teach, because i be honest with you, I was embarrassed to tell people that as a Christian, as a pastor, I had a real anger problem. I had a real violent problem. And that's when I began to learn about breaking family curses. And then I began to learn about the blood of Jesus, the seven places Jesus shed his blood. It was years later that I went to Israel and realized that what God was teaching me is the basis of the Jewish roots of Christianity. When Jesus was with his disciples, he said to them, who do men say that I am? And he said, well, some say you're this and some say you're that. And then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And it's so important that we know individually who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And And Peter said to him, you can almost see Peter going, oh my gosh, now I get it. Peter said to Jesus, you're the Christ. And I've said this so many times, but I want you to understand this. And those that are watching by television, watching by stream, I've said it so many times, but it needs to be repeated. When Jesus is talking to Peter, Jesus was a Jew. Peter was a Jew. And so Jesus being a Jew is asking Jewish Peter a Jewish question. And the response that Peter gave him was a Jewish response. We've got to, in order to receive what we, what the Bible tells us and what Jesus has done for us, we've got to quit reading it like a Gentile and read it like a Jew. The same words in different parts of the world mean different things. Amen? If, if, if I were to say to you, um, would you go put this in my boot? Well, he would run up to my office, into my closet, find maybe my Tony Lama and put it in my boot. But if you were with me in South Africa or in England, and I were to say, go put this in my boot, you'd go out in the parking lot and put it in the trunk of my car. Same word, same sound, same spelling, but a whole different understanding. You know, I've said this before, that if somebody was writing about me 2,000 years from now, and they said, Pastor Larry was seen 
riding all over DFW on a thousand pound hog, how would that be interpreted? Let's say, let's say 2,000 p- years from now, people want to people imitate me. And so they read something. Pastor Larry wrote a thousand pound hog all over Dallas, Fort Worth. How would you interpret that? Well, if you're from South St. Louis, where I'm from, you would say Pastor Larry was riding a thousand pound Harley Davidson. But if you're from Arkansas and it said Pastor Larry is riding a thousand pound hog or a thousand pound, yeah, a thousand pound hog, what are you going to read? I'm riding a pig. This Jew boy don't ride no pigs. So if we don't interpret the word of God correctly, study, rightly dividing the word of God, how many realize not only can we miss what God is trying to teach us, but we can actually come up with things that are wrong. We can be sincere, but we can be sincerely wrong. And so that's why it's so excited that in these last days, God is opening our eyes. That's what the prophecy said in the last days that Gentiles who believe in the Messiah, who are hungry, their eyes will be open. And they will say, we have inherited useless and unprofitable lies. We've inherited a bunch of stuff from our denominations. But what we need to do is inherit the revelation of the word of God. And that truth that we then understand will set us free. Can I have an amen? Amen. So when Jesus said to Peter, he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. The word Christ in Hebrew means the anointed one. And that anointed one does two things. That anointed one does two things, and it does it on this day, on the day of Yom Kippur. It was the dream up until until Jesus came. Everything has been a rehearsal, and then the real thing came. And so when Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the one who will remove our burden and break our yoke. He was saying something that is so phenomenally exciting. You are the one who will not only forgive us of our sin, but you will break the curse that passes from generation to generation to generation. This is the scripture that says, no longer on this day, no longer will the fathers eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. In other words, no longer will somebody say you're just like your mom or you're just like your dad or you're just like your grandfather. But not only can we have those sins forgiven, but we can have every curse broken in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. That is this day. That's the scripture that we're going to read this morning. So read with me real quickly in Leviticus chapter 16. This is an answer to you are the Christ the son of the living God. Leviticus chapter 16, look at verse five. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering. This is an offering for the priesthood, which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house. Now look at verse 17. Remember when Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? He said, you're the Christ. You will remove the burden and break the yoke. Verse 7, and he shall take the, how many goats? Two, and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle, the meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord, 
and the other for the scapegoat. Look at verse 14. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side and before the mercy seat. He shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven different times. Then he shall kill the goat for the sin offering, which is for the people. Bring its blood inside the veil. Do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions for all their sins. And he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting, which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. Verse 19, for the sake of time. Then he shall sprinkle uh, some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, cleanse it, sanctify it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And when he made an end of the atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land and he shall release the goat into the wilderness. Now, once again, remember that one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible is Malachi. It's amazing how many pastors we would say, you know what, that's the Old Testament and we're in the New Testament. We would say, I don't know how many times I'd say, we're not under the curse of the law, but every Sunday I would teach Malachi 3. A tenth is the Lord's and offerings besides. And it's almost, it's almost like we're schizophrenic. We're not under the curse of the law, except this one. Don't hold back your tithe. And in reality, we've studied that Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law, the, the Torah, the path of my blessing, but I came to show you how to walk on it. And we've taught that. But when Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter's response of who Jesus is is this scripture that we read this morning and what we're celebrating today. Let me give you a picture. Today, we don't have a physical tabernacle. Today, the tabernacle of God is the human body. But in the day of Jesus, there was a physical tabernacle. There's a part of it still. When you go to Jerusalem with me, we'll, we'll go to the Western Wall. And now there's actually, there's actually, as you go into the Western Wall underneath, they've just discovered in the last few years where the wall has extended. Haven't seen it in 2,000 years. And there's a place that you are literally a few feet from where the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant was. It's a new discovery. And the reason why God keeps showing these discoveries is he said, if my people won't praise me. I'll make the rocks cry out. The stones and the ruins in Israel are proving that Jesus Christ is our God and that our God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can I have an amen? It's proving it. But in that day, there was a a, a complete tabernacle there. On the day of Yom Kippur, there would be a sacrifice So that that sacrifice could be made so that on the Feast of Tabernacles, all of God's children could tabernacle for the whole next year under all the blessing of God. Now, also, it's a rehearsal. Someday, we won't need another Feast of Tabernacles. 
Someday we won't need another blowing of the shofar to sound the alarm in Zion, to wake us up, to get our lives back in, in rhythm. Someday we will be walking the streets of gold together with us and the Messiah and the children of Israel and all of God's children. And that someday is getting closer and closer and closer and closer. We are seeing the beginning of what the Bible calls the latter rain. That the outpouring of God's blessing. And so the rabbis are teaching that around the world, God is looking for people who are, who are looking for the coming of the Messiah. He is running across the face of the earth trying to gather a people who will be the children of miracles. Who will be part of the latter reign. And of course, you heard my, my, my reading of that great rabbi, Rabbi Schneerson, who stood in front of 10,000 Orthodox Jews and said, the Messiah is ready to come. But before he comes, he's going to raise up Gentiles who will come back to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot. And the miracles that will be so strong on their life will cause everyone to come back to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My question, do you want to be one of those children that the miracles are so strong? If you are, give the Lord a shout right now and say, that's me. That's me. God is saying first to us, our trust is not in the world. Our trust is in the word of God and the kingdom of God and the blood of Jesus Christ and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who is the God first off over Israel and Jerusalem. Can I have an amen? So look what happened on this day. So on this day that we read that Jesus and Peter are talking about, on this day that we read in Leviticus 16, this is the, this is the period of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Now, the end today is the end of a 40-day period. And just real quick, I want you to look again at the number 40. Because in Hebrew, the number 40 means the end of trial and the beginning of blessing. This is today. Somebody say, end of my trials, beginning of my blessing. Now, I know that m- most Christians don't stutter, study numbers in the Bible, but if you've gone to our church or you've watched our program, you've studied it. But let me give you the number 40, just a few things. Noah was 40 days and 40 nights, and then the rain stopped. Moses, 40 days interceding on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments. Twelve spies went into Canaan and spied out the land for 40 days. Goliath defied Israel for 40 days. God raised up David. Jonah warns Nineveh for 40 days. And then they repented. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. Then he began his miracle ministry. And after the resurrection, Jesus appears for 40 days with undeniable proofs that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And these are, these are just, just a few things. But what God is saying is, is this may be a rehearsal. Until it happens for us. How many know that when the second coming, when, how many know when the rapture takes place, we're never going to have to pray for a, a, our income again? We're never going to have to pay, pray for a house payment. We're never going to have to pray for a healing. We're never going to have to do it again. But I want you to listen to what I'm saying. Someday that will be forever. But this year can be the beginning. This may be a rehearsal. But rehearsal, you sing the same songs, you say the same words, you wear the same clothing, and God wants to move you out of the wilderness and into the promised land today. Today. So let's look at what happened on Yom Kippur. So for 40 days, the trumpet was blowing. Nobody's caught unawares. 
God opens the book and says, I want to write your name in a book of blessing to bring life to everything you do. So after this, we, now we have time to, to, to get our hearts right with God, to repent. And so here's what happens. Everybody gathers. But on this day, 40 days after, everybody is gathered together. And the high priest, which is Aaron in this case, comes to make atonement once again for the children of God. But Aaron would be in, in, in the temple. He would make a, atonement for himself and for the high priest to make sure they're right with God. How many, you know, I don't know about you, that encourages me. Even high priests had to make sure they're right with God. And so then they would bring for the congregation or for the children of God, for Israel, they would bring to the temple two goats to sacrifice. Why? Because Jesus is the burden removing and the yoke destroying anointed one of God. So Aaron would come and he would cast lots. One would be for the sins. The other would be for the iniquity. Now I want you to understand something that we we don't understand too much in, in, in the church world is that iniquity and sin, even though our, our translation is not correct, iniquity and sin are two different things. The sin is what we did. The iniquity is the curse for what we did. Let's say, for an example, someone steals. Be not deceived, God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that also shall he reap. So if somebody, let's say you're in business or, you, or, you're, or something, and you steal something, not only is that a sin, but that you stealing from someone else multiplies on you, and then, then the enemy is able to steal from you. So not only will God forgive us of our sin, but he'll break that curse so we don't have to pay for what we've done. Somebody say, praise God. Praise God. So they would bring two goats. Aaron, the high priest, would cast lots. He would choose one goat. He would leave one goat at the door of the tabernacle, which is our heart. He would bring the other goat in. And there's other, I'm giving you the Reader's Digest version. There's been other sacrifices going on. I should be wearing all white and wearing a white tallit and, 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 and a white kittel because what it's saying to the children of Israel, though your sins be a scarlet, the blood of the sacrifice will make you white as snow. Can I have a great amen on that? So the high priest would bring the, the sacrifice in, lay it on the brazen altar, and then he would sacrifice this, this goat for the sins of the children of Israel. In the sacrifice, his garment would become bloodstained. He would remove the garment. Now, you never need to remember this because this is all part of the Feast of Tabernacles. And if you remember the light and the Feast of Tabernacles, the big giant candles that were lit, this was made out of this bloodstained garment. So he would remove his bloodstained garment he would then baptize himself. And in Hebrew, after the sacrifice and after the washing of the curses, he would come out. And in Hebrew, it's called he was born again. So he was covered with sin. The sacrifice washed the sins away. And then he would rebaptize. And even though he's still in this world, the curses of this world are not on him any longer. Somebody say amen. Okay. Then watch this. Then he would come out of the baptism, put on the white garments, and then he would say, now he's pure white. 
And he would say to all around, don't touch me. I've not yet gone to the Father. If you remember when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified and they dressed him in burial linen. Many call it the Shroud of Turin. Okay? But then when they came to the tomb, the tomb was empty. And they see Jesus and he's in white fine linen. This is exactly what was happening on the day of Yom Kippur. Even though he was buried in blood-stained garments, when he resurrected, he didn't go to the shop. He, He didn't go to Target and get new linen. He was showing supernaturally, I have cleansed the world of their sins. And when Mary went to Jesus, he said, don't touch me. I've not yet been with the Father. This is exactly what would happen on the day of Yom Kippur. So they bring the sacrifices. The high priest goes and picks, casts lots. One lot falls, one lot falls uh, 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 for God, the other falls. And there's, a, there's different terminologies on the name. Uh, some, some say it means to, to, to escape. Others mean, say it's, it's, it's the name of Satan who causes the sin. It doesn't matter, but you'll understand. So they bring the one in. They sacrifice it. They make blood atonement. The blood is on the, on the hands and the garment of the priest. He goes in, sheds off the blood, gets baptized, comes out white as snow, symbolizing we are, we are purified. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. But Jesus is making intercession, saying, no, they've been released from the curse by the blood of the sacrifice. Can I have an amen? amen. He said, don't touch me. I've not yet been to the Father. He dips his finger into the blood, and he goes into the Holy of Holies and sprinkles the blood on the, on the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies seven different times. Now, boy, there's no way to teach all this. I'll teach a lot more of it on Wednesday. But this is, this is exactly what God is saying in, in Hebrews chapter 9 and Hebrews chapter 10, talking about Jesus being our high priest and Jesus going into the holy of holies and Jesus redeeming us, not with the blood of goats and bulls, but with his precious blood. This is what it means. But I'll just throw this in real quick because I want to I get this in there. Remember when the, in, 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 where, where it says then, though we look through a glass darkly? Well, that's once again a mistranslation. When it says we look, we look now through a glass darkly, but then we will look face to face. Remember that? Okay, in Hebrew, in the Mishnah, the word glass, the word where we, we have translated into glass darkly is the Hebrew word veil. And so it's saying, though, though before Jesus, we look to God through a veil. In other words, until Jesus, we always had to have a priest go into God behind the veil for us. Now, I'm really going to freak you out here if you haven't been around me. Are you all okay? But then it says, once Jesus would come, then we would not look through the veil darkly, but then we would look what? Face to face. 
This is exactly what Moses did when he spoke to the Lord in the burning bush. And the Bible says that Moses spoke to the Lord face to face. Once Jesus died on that cross and he said, it is finished. Then the veil between man and God was ripped open. And we don't need a high priest, but we can come boldly before the throne of God. Are you okay? Go with me to Hebrews chapter 9. Okay, now what I'm going to teach you, to many is almost going to sound blasphemous. But it's not blasphemous, it's the word of God. And it is, it is I believe in all my heart, the revelation that's going to release the latter rain into your life. Have you got Hebrews chapter 9? Look at verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption for if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified for the purifying of the flesh how much more now look at what it says it said it did sanctify it's not saying this was some pagan practice it did sanctify but how much more shall the blood of christ who is the burden removing yoke destroying anointed one of god who through the eternal spirit Offered himself without spot to God, purged your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now look at uh, chapter 10, verse 16, verse 15. And the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us, for after he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them. Those days shall the Lord, I will put my law into their hearts, my Torah into their minds and I will write them. And then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having a boldness, therefore, what's the next word? Brothers. Therefore, who? Brothers and sisters having boldness to enter the holy of holies by the blood of jesus a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of god let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, steadka, acts of kindness, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What's he saying? When you see the day approaching, 
Most Christians have never heard of Rosh Hashanah. Most Christians have never heard of Yom Kippur. But you and I know that for the last 40 days, God has been blowing the trumpet in Zion. Well, there's not a a physical trumpet being blown, but you and I are the voice of God. And we are blowing to the world saying, listen, wake up. Our trust is not in Washington, D.C. Our trust is not in, in, in Wall Street. Our trust is not in the banking system, but our trust is in Jehovah Jireh. Return to him and he will return to us. And we're not going home with a moan. We're going out with a shout and the wealth of the wicked will be put into our hands when we return. Are you with me? Now watch this. And he says, we now look through a glass darkly, but then we will look face to face. But most Christians are still looking through the veil. Look at what he says right here. He says, but, but uh, um, uh, let me read that again. He says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. Now look what's happened. The high priest gets the, gets the goats. One goat is sacrificed. He washes in the water, puts on the clean garment, just as a symbol of Jesus being resurrected. And he says, don't touch me because I've not yet gone into the Holy of Holies. And Jesus said to Mary, don't touch me. I've not yet gone to be with the Father. But after 40 days of proving that he is the Son of God, he said, I command you, don't you leave until you get the promise. For greater works than I do shall you do, because I'm going to be with the Father, and I will be making intercession. And so he says, then the high priest, now a Jew understands this. And so the high priest dips his finger in the blood. He goes behind the veil. They can hear him moving around, ministering, releasing the blood on the Ark of the Covenant that will bring you healing and blessing. But the curtain is still closed and only one can go in there. But then when Jesus hangs on the cross, and I'm going to teach this next Sunday, on the Feast of Tabernacles, celebrating that even though we're in the desert, we can tabernacle with God and all his power. The people would be waiting for the sacrifice to be completed and they would shout out, tell us when it's finished. And when the blood and the wine, I'll get this next week, and the high priest would go, it is finished. Now watch this. That's what he's saying, that we can tabernacle with God. Then he says, go boldly. When Jesus said it's finished, this veil that only one man once a year could go in and see, this veil was ripped from top to bottom. And he says, now you go boldly through the blood of Jesus into the presence of God. But what are Christians doing? Jesus, heal me. Go on in. Jesus, bless me. Go on in. Jesus, do this. Go on in. Don't you remember? It is finished. Now, many of you are going to think I'm blaspheming. But listen, they said, Lord, when you pray, teach us how to, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, say father we're still waiting for jesus to go in jesus heal me by my stripes you are healed jesus bless me by the blood on my forehead you've been blessed 
Jesus, deliver me. My, my will, but my will, I sweat. It's been done. We keep asking Jesus to go into the holy of holies for us. But we have a right because he shed his blood seven different times. And we go boldly before the throne of our Father. Are you okay with that? Are you okay? In the holy of holies is the throne of God. Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God making intercession. When you pray, say, our Father. How many know that's in the Bible? Then why do we pray to Jesus? If Jesus said, when you pray, Jesus said, no man goes to the but by me. We can't get in there. We're not holy enough to get in there. There's nothing we can do to get in there. But Jesus, who's the unblemished Lamb of God, paid the price, said it's finished. Now we can come boldly. Jesus is the door. We're all standing outside the door, peeking, getting a little touch once in a while. You need to go through the door, the blood of Jesus, and come boldly before the Father. Are you okay? Can I go a little bit further? This will change the world. Muslims, Muslims cannot listen to Christianity because we're praying to the Father and we're praying to the Son and we're praying to the Holy Spirit and then we're praying to Jesus' mother and Jesus' nephew twice removed and his neighbor across the street. Jesus paid, right? Jesus paid the price. If we're not going before Abba, our father, then we don't understand what he did. He said, I'm the door. You can't get any other way. By no other name. By no, you can't get in by tithing. You can't get in by suffering. But you do get in through me. Don't stop at the door. We keep asking Jesus to be the high priest. What it says, we have a high priest once and for all. Now, brethren, with boldness, go into the holiest of holies by the blood of Jesus. Are we okay? This will change your life. Jews, Jews can't receive Jesus. Jews can't listen to Christianity. Because the whole foundation of, of Judaism, the whole foundation of Islam... The whole foundation of Christianity is of 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 of, of Israel is Shema Yisrael Adonai Rochemu Adonai Echad. Hero Israel, the Lord He is one God. That's why Jesus said in John, "From this day, do not pray to me. I will not go to the Father for you. The Father loves you as much as He loves me." Now, we are unclean. We are unclean. He is the Lamb of God. But he prayed the price so all of us could go into the Holy of Holies and seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's been paid in full. Can I have an amen? Are you okay? Okay, I, went a little, I wasn't going to go there because it's so, it's so hard for people to get their heads around, but it's so simple. Okay, so the, the, the high priest is there, two, out, two sacrifices. He brings the one sacrifice in, sheds the blood so, for atonement so that this year can be, uh, we can be blessed. Well, say, didn't he do that on Passover? He does, it, he does it so often. Why? Because he wants to bless us. He's constantly making intercession for us. Dips a finger in the blood 
or excuse me, makes a sacrifice, gets baptized, comes out white as snow, takes the blood back into the Holy of Holies, sprinkles the blood in the Holy of Holies seven different times. Jesus shed his blood in the garden, at the whipping post, crown of thorns, in his hands, in his feet, pierced his side. We'll talk about that next week. Out came blood and water, the living water, went to the gates of of hell, stomped on the devil's forehead, took the keys of life and death, heaven and hell, took the keys, right? Then the high priest comes back out. The atonement has been made. The blessing has been released sevenfold, dips his hands back into the blood, comes to the door of the tabernacle. And at the door of the tabernacle, he places these blood hands on the head of the scapegoat. The the word scapegoat came from the word escape. This sacrifice paid for its life. But because of the blood, this part of the flock escapes that's us we get to escape somebody say amen Amen. now watch this that sacrifice paid the price the blood has been released so that there'll be rain this year and there'll be harvest this year and our enemies will be defeated but now the curse has to be broken because if the curse isn't broken then even though the sins are forgiven and the blood has been released on the throne of God, the curse will come back in and block that blessing. The tares will rise up and choke out the harvest. So they take and they say, Lord, because of our sin, here's the curses on our town. Here's the curses on our land. And they would send that goat into a desert place. Now, at the same time, they would tie a ribbon, a scarlet ribbon, on the door of the tabernacle. Historical fact. That goat would be sent out into the desert, down from Jerusalem. If you've been there, down through the Jerusalem, down over the hills, down into the Dead Sea area. And they would put watchmen on the streets. Because if you know animals, animals always return to where they've been being fed. So that animal, that curse, is going to come and try to get back in. So they would keep people there until that goat would disappear into the wilderness or die. If that goat, after so many days, disappeared or died, historical fact, the scarlet ribbon on the door of the tabernacle supernaturally turned white. And when it turned, that's where we get the scripture, though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. And so if that, when that ribbon turned, supernaturally turned white, then the people could rejoice. Because not only is the burden removed, but the yoke is destroyed. Now watch this. This is why Jesus said, remember when Israel came out of Egypt? This was a rehearsal. He said, I want you to take the blood and I want you to put it on the door. And then God says, when I see the blood, when I see the blood... I will stand in front of your door and I will make the angel of death. Now, that's not just life and death. The angel of death to your marriage, angel of death to your health, angel of death to your finances. Every every angel of the enemy, God says, when I see the blood, I will stand in front of your door and I will make the enemy pass over you and your family. But watch this. You've got to know the blood. 
That's why when you say to most Christians, finish this, we're redeemed by the, and they'd say, the blood. And I'd say, where did Jesus shed his blood? And they'd say, at Calvary. But Jesus didn't just shed his blood at Calvary. He shed his blood at the whipping post, crown of thorns, in the garden, seven different places. So that's why Jesus said, you cast a demon out. Father, forgive me of my drugs. In my case, it was my anger. I was a Christian. I was a pastor. Still had a terrible anger problem. And I'd say, God, forgive me. Ooh, I was forgiven. I bind this thing. And I was better for a while. That, that, that curse would go down into the desert. But it would come back and find the door still open. Jesus said, you cast a demon out. You're better for a while. But it comes back and finds the door still open Why is it open? Because we don't know the seven places Jesus shed his blood. We don't understand what's happened today. And so when that demon comes back and sees that we don't have the blood on our door, we have it in saying but not in knowledge, that demon goes out and gets how many demons? Seven. If we don't know about the garden, that door's still open. We don't know about the whipping post, that door's open. We don't know about the crown of thorns, that door's still open. We don't know that when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was ripped The Holy of Holies was accessible in all of God's power. Let me close with this. Jesus says to Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ. Jesus says to Peter, on this, on the revelation of what we understand right now about Yom Kippur, on this I will build my church and hell will not beat you up anymore. What are keys a symbol of? Power. They open locks. They unlock locks. You ever, see, you ever remember the guy in high school that always had 900 keys? Didn't have a bicycle, but 900 keys. Why? Because keys are symbols of authority. In the beginning, God the Father had all the keys. He had all the authority. He created you and I. And gave us the authority. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever Adam and Eve, he said, I give you all power and all authority. Adam and Eve blew it. In the beginning, the father had all the authority. He created us, gave us all the authority. Adam and Eve blew it. Satan became the God of this world. Right? Right? Are you following me? Okay. Satan became the God of this world. Jesus came. Stomped on the devil's forehead. Jesus came, took the keys of life and death away from Satan. Who's got the keys now? Who do you say that I am? Oh, you're the burden removing and the yoke destroying. He said to Peter, on this I will build you, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail and I give you the keys to the kingdom. I give you, who's got the keys? Who's got the keys? Not Jesus, not the devil. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? You're Yom Kippur. You're the one who will forgive us of our sin. You're the one who will break every curse. You're the one who will release the blessing. Now Jesus said, you come boldly before the throne of God. I give you the keys to the kingdom. You've got the keys. Somebody give the Lord a shout and praise.